Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by What's the Big Idea? An indispensable guide to becoming a kick-ass creative director. By yours truly, Jaime Cabrera. Pick it up on Amazon and now available on Audible. If you've always wanted to know what it takes to be a commercial director, you need to check out commercialdirectingfilmschool.com. I'm signed up for the Filmmaker Bundle, which includes the Masterclass, the Online Shadow, and the Case Study Masterclass. It's got 100% five-star reviews, and it also includes a 30-minute call with the master himself, my friend Jordan Brady, who's directed more than 1,300 commercials for top brands. And right now, exclusively for my listeners, use the code BIGIDEA, one word, to get a whopping $100 off either the Masterclass or the Shadow Course. Again, the code BIGIDEA, one word, for $100 off. Go to CommercialDirectingFilmSchool.com and get started today. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director, the original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for aspiring creative directors, for creatives of all types looking to up their game by learning from the world's best. This is your podcast and I am your host, Jaime Cabrera. On this week's podcast, I'm excited to welcome Chad Brody, co-founder and chief creative officer of High Dive Advertising, which has become a go-to shop for top brands looking to make a big splash at the Super Bowl. Chad sold through his first Super Bowl script one year into his career, and today he's opening up his playbook to reveal four simple concepts to keep in mind when working on a spot for the big game, including my favorite, which is the two-beer rule. So if those briefs are starting to come in, you're going to want to listen carefully to our conversation. Without further ado, let's get into it with Chad Brody. Chad Brody, welcome to the podcast. How are you, buddy? Good, good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I am doing very well. I'm I'm wearing this this in honor of you today. Trust me, I'm a creative director um, because I I imagine, uh, especially given the topic that we're going to talk about today, that... Uh, people have a lot of trust in you. Uh, I hope. I hope the right people do at least. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's something we're trying to earn every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank, thanks for making the time to uh, join the podcast. We're going to talk about a very exciting and aspirational topic for for many folks, uh, which is you know how to prepare and how to deliver the best Super Bowl spot possible. Uh, but before we get into that, I wonder if you can just sort of introduce yourself, give the audience a little uh, a little background on where you've been and what you've done. And, and I got to say, as I was doing my, my research, you know, typically I'm talking to folks and I'm like scrolling down there. I'm scrolling down their, their all their job history and stuff. And yours is not that deep. And <laughs> but what, uh, that's not a that's not an insult. I love this. 
because you seemingly have skyrocketed from where you started to where you are now and and that's you know it's it's sort of a jealousy inducing I, I love that i mean you've you've done a lot in a short amount of time so um with that setup if you could just kind of give us a little rundown of uh who you are and what you've done and all that kind of good stuff uh yeah cool well first of all thanks for that it's a great hype man uh introduction um, but yeah, you know, my background before starting high dive, uh, with Mark Gross was I was at DDB my whole career. I graduated Chicago portfolio school and went straight there. Um, and I was there for about eight years, um, where I had the opportunity to meet, um, Mark Gross, who's the co-founder with me and co-CCO and Megan Lally, who's now our, um, chief, uh, executive officer. And uh, yeah, I was there. I had a lot of success early at TDB. I think like I sold a Super Bowl spot in my first year and, you know, really uh, climbed the ranks. I had an early creative director title. And um, I think because of that, I think I was like 31 uh, when I knocked on Mark's door and I was like, hey, you want to start our own agency? Uh, you know, and I think it's really common at a lot of shops is that conversation happens a lot and everyone's well, well, just hold you, on you, really that conversation happens a lot i think that conversation happens a lot it doesn't get serious a lot mm. i think a lot of times people talk about that and depending on who you talk to it turns to something real you know and I, even my experience i talked about it a lot for the years i was there but when i talked uh with mark he's like yeah let's get together this weekend and make a business plan i was like whoa Okay, this is the conversation <laughs> I've I've been waiting for. Something a little bit more concrete and real. Um, yeah. yeah, and then you know, high dive is going to be seven years old in October, which is insane because it feels like we started it yesterday, and at the same time, it feels like we started it fifty years ago. So you, you kind of mentally go through that gymnastics uh, every day, and um, yeah, and, and here we are. And uh, what else can I tell you about uh, the background of the history? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just just uh, continuing to to you know pile on the, the accolades here. Twenty twenty, looking at your LinkedIn here. Twenty twenty breakthrough agency of the year. What else we got here? Twenty twenty one most innovative companies. Number one on Super Bowl ad meter. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. So, congrats to you on all your success. Um, let's get into it. Let's talk about this. It sounds like uh, my understanding is you're starting to. It, it's. I didn't know there was a Super Bowl season. I guess there is. <laughs> I guess I did know that, but it's just funny to call it that, right? It's like Super Bowl spot season. It's starting to happen. What does that look like? First of all, um, you know, I imagine you probably start getting lots of sort of frantic calls, right? With with uh, clients that are like, oh shit, we just we're gonna do it. What do we do? You know, the season is very long. Uh, we had a lot of success. You know, out of the last four years, uh, we finished first in the ad meter, three out of the last four. Um, so I think come Super Bowl time, wow. I, th I think our agency's name pops up, um, you know, because of that success. And the Super Bowl season is interesting. It starts now, but it goes all the way through January. And depending yeah. on the brands who are looking to work with you, some try to get ahead of it. Sometimes we'll get a call in late December and, you know, a, a brand's really interested in doing the Super Bowl and they did a late media buy. In some cases, it, it happens as late as January. Um, it's kind of wow. nice when you start now just because it gives you a little bit of opportunity to secure potential great directors and really land a great idea, um, big celebrities. But, yeah, it's a long season. 
And if you wouldn't mind, if, it, if it's possible, can you share the the names of the clients that you've that you've uh, you know that you've won with for for these Super Bowl ads? Yeah, uh, in 2020, we did a spot for Jeep uh, with it was called Groundhog Day. It was with Bill Murray. It was a cool idea. The game actually fell on Groundhog Day, uh, so we thought it was a perfect opportunity to kind of bring back that character in that movie. Um, but that same year, in one of my favorite spots we've ever done, it was a rocket mortgage spot with Jason Momoa, where he's ripping his muscles off to be yeah. a little bit more comfortable at home. I remember um, that. So that was that was big for us. That was 2020 in the same year. And those spots were trending uh, one and two on YouTube views. So outside of even the game and the ad meter, it was really capturing the attention of, of people um, everywhere. And then the following year, we won the Super Bowl again with Rocket Mortgage. This was the campaign with Tracy Morgan about being pretty sure and certain about securing your, your mortgage. And then the following year, again, with Rocket Mortgage with um, Anna Kendrick. And it was a spot about Barbie. Uh, how she couldn't get her dream house because she couldn't secure a mortgage, which I want to say we were a good year ahead of yeah. Barbie mania. Um, so, yeah, th those were the years uh, we've won. And then last year we had some success, but they didn't quite uh, go to the top of the yeah. beater. Yep. Wow, that's cool. I do remember the Jason Momoa one very, very well. So, uh, yeah, that's very cool. All right, so I'm going to walk you through these these sort of principles or tenets that, that uh, you've established here uh, just to kind of guide you a little bit. The first one that you talk about is uh, deciding between stunt or storytelling. So can you tell us a little bit about what you mean there? I do. I think it's a very interesting time for Super Bowl. I think the landscape has changed quite a bit. Just from think about just the history of the Super Bowl, it, it usually was great storytelling, and some stories that broke through had a lot of success of the game. But if you look at the last uh, three years specifically, Coinbase, the floating QR code, was kind of a game changer. That was really cool because not only was it just have the stopping power, that elicited a direct response. You scanned that, you signed up for Coinbase. I think you got like 15 free bucks of Bitcoin, but that... I think it was so successful it actually shut down uh, the app downloads for Coinbase. Then the following year, um, I don't know if these years are right. I think Reddit, or maybe Reddit was the year before, where they kind of hijacked the the broadcast and it made it seem like they were getting through, which was really cool because it really played to that like Reddit audience. Uh, they're kind of a Hive-based audience. And then last year, I thought what Tubi did was awesome. Um, felt like someone sat on the remote controller was switching the game late in the fourth quarter. Um, so I think, you know, as you look at the success that those brands have had, I think it'd be silly not to explore for your brands um, or the projects you're working on, you know, what's right? Do we want to do traditional storytelling or do we want to stunt? And then I think that all, you know, before you even get there, you got to really figure out what are you trying to achieve? Uh, what are the goals and the KPIs of the brands? But I think that more than ever before, I think you're going to see a lot of agencies and marketers explore a bigger toolbox than they have in the past. Yeah, because, you know, at the end of the day, I would imagine, especially now, right, given the economy and where everything is, it's like we got, we have to drive we have to drive some kind of sale or conversion or whatever. Right. It's it's maybe less about long term brand building and more about like immediate uh, some kind of immediate reaction. Is that kind of what you're seeing or? I think that's exactly what you have to um, evaluate. What's more important? I think Super Bowl is a great buy. I think the ROI from our experience, whether you win the game or not, 
I, I think it's worth it. I think there's a lot of data to support that. Um, but those are the pros and cons. You know, Super Bowl used to be that that Sunday in February. Now it starts six weeks before the game. So if you do a traditional storytelling spot, there's a big benefit to that. I mean, you're getting media coverage and eyeballs on social as far as six weeks before the game. And then in some cases, you're going to use that spot as your campaign um, throughout the year. And there's a real power to that. I think what makes stunts really interesting is uh, they have that element of surprise. And I don't think there's a big runway to do that. I think you hit people in the game and then it's fleeting. And then usually after the game, there's probably some social chatter for, you know, 24, 48 hours, but that's the trade-off. You know, what's cool about the stunts is usually the production uh, investment is almost nothing, you know? So maybe you feel good about the, uh, the fact that, yeah, maybe it has a, a 24, 72 hours shelf life, but like we put a floating QR code that cost a hundred dollars to make that commercial, you know, versus, spending a lot of money on celebrities and production. So I don't think there's a right or wrong way. I think it's, you got to really step back and, and think about what's, what are you trying to achieve? So typically I wonder if you could give the audience some insight, what kinds of things might you do to help the client determine that? I mean, is it just sitting down and asking a bunch of questions? Is it, do they, do you say, let us take a look at it and then we'll come back to you with our recommendation. I imagine maybe it's a combination of, of things or it just depends on the client, but typically, you know, what, what is the process for determining that one, that one big question? Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely a conversation and we have to talk about, and by the way, uh, a stunt or storytelling, I think could be this, they both could be a, a viable solution, but I think what, what are we looking to really do? Do we want to do some brand building? Do we want this to, to be, um, you know, uh, the first spot of a bigger campaign or are we looking, look at Coinbase? I thought they're, what they wanted was very specific. We want to download, you know, and I think doing something that links you to the site to, to start an account with a little incentive of $15 of Bitcoin, that was a very good solution. I wasn't part of that uh, program at all, but if you think about what they were trying to achieve, I don't think you could have necessarily got that with just the spot and hoped that there was a latent response, um, you know, to, to a really memorable story. In, in some cases, um, I think with, uh, with Tubi, I think it was more of an awareness play. I don't really know what their KPIs or what they were doing, but I thought that was really special as well. And, you know, that was a little bit more, let's get our name out there. Let's, let's cause a little bit of chaos um, for better or worse. So I, I do, I think you have to start with what you, you're trying to achieve. And then as you brief teams and creatives, you know, try, maybe encourage them to do both and see, okay, as you're evaluating the work, is this achieving the things we set out to do? Yeah, I love that. After I saw the uh, after I saw the the Coinbase um, commercial, I kept thinking to myself, right, somewhere in the country, a, an agency is watching the Super Bowl with their client, and I I gotta imagine that after that spot ran, that you know, that's like sort of a look over, like that was <laughs> genius. Like, why didn't we think of something like that? Because I mean, you're spending so much on the media, right, on the media buy. And then to be able to hit a home run with something that, like you said, probably, you know, costs a few bucks, but uh, pretty, pretty, pretty simple to produce. <laughs> I got to imagine there was a lot of like, huh, mid, mid guacamole, you know, scoop going like, huh, how come we didn't think of something like that? 
Yeah, I mean, it was one of those ideas that I think everyone had a bit of jealousy for. And, you know, I, I do think it's important to kind of lock arms and make sure everyone has thick skin if you're going to take that route. I think there is a world, they didn't know how successful it's going to be. There was right. a world that they spent $12 million and people were like, didn't take out their phone and, you know, scan yeah. that because maybe the game uh, was boring or for whatever reason. So, you know, in terms of identifying which route you want to take, I think you got to make sure everyone could buckle in and be like, hey, let's do this together. Let's take a shot. And um, I think all great advertising, you, you almost need to take uh, that approach to do something that makes you a little bit nervous, I think means you're on to something. You know what? That's a great point because... I've often, this has been a frustration of mine, right? Where, where you hear from clients like, you know, why, you know, why, why can't we do something like that? Or why have we, and it's, it, and it's very easy in hindsight, right? To look at something that's been successful and go like, of course, you know, but it yeah. took, it took balls and somebody taking a big leap to, to sign off on that. Right. So it's, it's very easy to, to look back and be, you know. And it's much it's it's a much harder thing to do when when you really think about it. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I, I think that's what happens. I think every once in a while in advertising, there's that thing that kind of just changes the general landscape of how we approach things, and it takes that one great uh, execution and idea to to get us all to go back to the lab and and, and figure out how we're going to approach it. And by the way, I do want to say, I think storytelling uh, could work just as effectively, sure. you know? And then I think there's also a third bucket that we're talking a lot about at High Dive is like the hybrid. I think you saw that with the Gronk uh, Kick of Destiny, which was, yeah, it had a lot of brand building qualities. You know, I think they were running that two months before the game and really leaning into, um, you know, it, it, did, it did what traditional advertising did in terms of brand building and had a little bit of fun and you started to really understand who, um, who FanDuel was, but it had a direct response uh, element to it. It wanted you to go to FanDuel and bet, will Gronk make the kick or not? Yeah. And then it even had the stunt-like quality in the game, uh, a live commercial. Right. Um, in a way, I, I almost find this bucket the most interesting of mm. the three. Uh, if you could kind of do the stunt for, uh, the stunty storytelling. Um, anyway, I, I just think as we approach this season, all three of these are... They're really exciting, and it's, yeah. it's a little bit different than four years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Number two, be strategic with celebrities. I'm curious to hear your your thoughts here because I do think, you know, sometimes they're, you know, it's borrowed interest, right? And the, at the end of the day, it may or may not have anything to do with the with the brand or the product. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think uh, I think we can, sometimes we lose sight of the fundamentals. You know, what's important to us as we evaluate work is like, if there's going to be a celebrity, why? Does it does it enhance the, the communication that we're trying to, um, to execute? Does it make the idea better? What I really don't like is, hey, we got this idea, insert celebrity here. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. I think sometimes as you're watching the game, you'll see such a star-studded cast and be like, I don't even know what the idea was, what they were trying to say. And it feels like they got lost in being a little bit of starstruck. And it came at the expense of the fundamentals of what's the great idea? What, what are we trying to say? And, you know, overwhelming it with uh, just a ton of celebrities. It feels like that's probably a recipe to, to maybe miss on that stage. So be strategic. Um, obviously, like in the case of like Groundhog Day, there was one option. 
And then, you know, you think of um, the Jason Momoa spot. He was great because he's known for being this jacked dude, you know, and the concept of going home and being comfortable, there wasn't a ton of other options. I think at the time we were exploring Channing Tatum and a few other, um, you know, celebrities known for just being really physically fit. But I don't know, being strategic with those celebrities, I think is important. So you don't just spend a lot of money and then it's kind of not hitting on a big idea level. Yeah. And it's kind of at, at the end of the day, it's it, it can be a little bit of a lazy sort of tactic, right? It's just like, uh, you know, let's just let's just stick somebody in there. And I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, th- I mean, I think on that point, you know, what happens to a lot of agencies is they sell this great idea that's pretty dependent on that celebrity. But you haven't secured the celebrity yet. And what happens is you reach out and sometimes they say, no, not interesting too busy, don't want to do commercial, don't love the idea. You have to understand at a certain point, it's time to move on to a new idea because what gets really dangerous is like, okay, we have a great backup. He doesn't want to do it either. And by the time you're on the third or fourth option, it might weaken the idea so much where it's like, maybe we go back to the drawing board or explore a second concept versus be so in love with that idea, but like, hey, we don't have the right celebrity for it. Um, versus shoehorning your fifth option, who wasn't really a great option to begin with. This brings up an interesting question and uh, take us take us on a little detour here. Typically, uh, and I know it's always different, but typically, how many once you get to this point, how many concepts are you coming in with for for a Super Bowl campaign? Typically. You know, it all depends. The high dive way is a little bit um, we bring a lot. We bring a lot to the table, especially in the early rounds of tissue sessions and presentations. We really value uh, the client's opinion and expertise of their brand. Um, we, we're we big on removing that ta-da moment where they brief us and we go away for a month and say, here's the one idea. I know that's super successful for some agencies, and I'm not knocking that at all. But for us, I'd rather leverage the brand experts on the on the client side who live and breathe this brand 24-7 and showing a few more ideas than, you know, probably a lot of other agencies would because maybe there's something they see in it to help build it and make it better um, that we haven't quite identified yet. And we, we're big on the partner approach, really bring them in early in the process, helping us shape this. Um, because why wouldn't you? <laughs> There's no one who knows more about their brand than they do. So, uh, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I th- I agree with you, and I think that that it's probably not that common, right? Because I think there's there's a belief probably among agency folks like, well, we're the experts, and and we know, and and you know, and that's what they're paying us for, and why do we want to, you know? And to your point, you go away for six weeks, and then you come back, and then you you, you totally miss the mark. Whereas in your approach and the approach that that I I like, it's kind of iterative, right? You're like you're bringing in maybe some stuff that's not fully baked. It's it's premises, right? Or or just small simple ideas. Like what if we did this? You know, right. what if sort of things, and you're kind of building building it together. And and not only I imagine does it build sort of like a shared ownership, right? They feel like they have ownership. But to your point. They can say, "Oh yeah, you know what? That hits on this particular thing that you, you know, the agency may not know anything about, or oh yeah, this kind of hits on this new thing that we're going to be doing, or yeah, whatever." Abs- right? 
Absolutely. And I think the idea that we're the experts is that mindset is the reason independent shops like <laughs> mine have been so successful over the last seven years. I think brands are kind of sick of that. And I, I don't think um, clients would enjoy that, that way of working. But um, yeah, I, I think you said it. I think it's, they're going to build on it and make it better. Look, as long as it's in service of making the idea better, um, you know, and some of the other things are great too. That sense of ownership only makes it better, but I, I think it's important. And you also have to remember some of the Super Bowl spots um, that we've won on, they're big pitches. Um, it's not like, you know, some of these brands have come to us and said it's yours. Um, in, in most cases, it's a, a lot of agencies are competing in it. And it's it's a little bit of a danger. Not only does it work better when you bring in the client, but it's a danger that if you bring in the one idea you're super uh, excited about, you might just you might just miss for a thousand reasons and, and lose your opportunity uh, to win that pitch. You know what? I I completely just spaced on that whole aspect because if it if it is a shootout, how do you get them? How do you do that? How do you do it iteratively? Because I imagine that in some cases they're like, look, we got to be fair to all the agencies in the shootout, so we can't give you more time than we give. So is it different for a Super Bowl spot versus just a typical? I think I think they want to make the time for it. I think they it's do? important to That's them. been yeah. your experience that they have? Okay. At least with us. I don't yeah. know if they're st- I don't know if they're stiff arming other agencies. Yeah, there's probably not. some other agency going, <laughs> wait a minute. They gave high dive more time. Uh, um, I think, <laughs> after our, yeah, I think our experience, they want to, you know, especially if round after round, you're bringing in ideas that are exciting them. Look, if you bring in a first round of ideas and they feel like you don't get their brand and these ideas don't feel big, you know, you might get pushed out of the, the process sooner than later. I don't know. Got it. I haven't been on Got that it. side of the table, but they're excited. This is, you know, it's, it's extremely exciting. It's a big opportunity for the brand. And from our experience and the clients we work with, they want to have these conversations. Early in the process, we are on a texting relationship with um, whether they're old clients or new because we just thought of something. And we, you know, like it's, hey, let's talk about this now. Let's not waste three days and seeing how uh, they respond to it. And it doesn't have to be a huge conversation, but it could be like, hey, you know, we thought about that idea. What if we did this instead of that? And they're like, love it. You know, and then at least, you know, for the next 72 hours, you're on the right path versus, you know, getting blindsided when you walk into the room. They're like, we'll never work with that person. Right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Number three, the two beer rule. And, and uh, maybe for some folks, the six beer rule. But what what is the two <laughs> beer rule? I love this. The two beer, five shot, uh, yeah. <laughs> six, six wings. I think this is fundamentals. I think we also forget that people don't obsess over ads the way people like you and I do. I think during the Super Bowl, what's awesome about it, it is more captive of an audience than the other 364 days a year. It is the one time they do want to watch commercials and not fast forward them. Right. However, kind of. And the two beer rule is, hey, remember, they're not paying as much attention to it as you think they are or that we are. Um, So the two beer rule for us is simplicity, simplicity, simplicity. Like, keep it very simple. Don't ask them to do too much, you know, especially especially like Super Bowl. Usually there's a lot of comedy. Like, don't do this long, um, complicated spot that has this like really great payoff in the end 
because you might have lost them at the 20, 30, 40 second mark. Uh, so the tier two beer room was like, hook them fast. You know, they're not really paying attention. I always tell our creators, like, if you're doing comedy, tell them the joke in the first five to 10 seconds and then let them enjoy it. You know, you again, you think about Groundhog Day. Bill Murray's back. This time it's a little bit different. It's a Jeep. And then let them enjoy it. Don't don't let them try to figure that out. You know, Jason Momoa in the first 10 seconds rips off his arm. Okay, I get it. The joke is he's, you know, at home he's a little bit more comfortable. He takes off all these fake, you know, muscles and hair pieces and all that. Um, so the two, the two bear rule is like, tell them quickly what the spot's about. And then in most part, like, try not to say too much. You know, lean into to visual jokes and even music um, where they could just, I don't know, drink that second or third beer and, and, and not try to catch up to what you're trying to say. You know, I never considered that. And, and I think that's, you know, brilliant, right? It's like you got you to get to it. But in some ways, it's interesting because it kind of defies the typical storytelling convention of like, you know, beginning, middle and end, right? It's almost like you got to you got to hit them. Like you said, right off, right off the, the top. I never really considered that. But that's you're right. Yeah, at least on this stage. I also think comedy is different than maybe emotional storytelling. I think emotionally you might be able to draw the audience in. Mm. Um, and they might be a little bit more patient for that that big surprise ending. Um, and by the way, this is just what works for us. You know, I don't think... Right. I think in general this we all speak a way too uh, absolute language, like the only way to do it. But for us, we just had a lot of success with like, oh, that's an interesting premise. I'm in. And then, and then, and then let them enjoy it. Right. Yeah, I love that. Okay, uh, ignore common sense and swing big. Ignore common sense. Uh, that's been <laughs> that's this big thing I've been um, preaching for a while now. I think it's just, you know, you've been in this industry for a while too. Sometimes we get a little caught up in, ah, they're never going to do that. We're never going to get that person. Because we've learned over time and we've had our heart broken so many times that we land on this big idea and somewhere along the process, you have the reality check of that ain't going to happen for us. Come Super Bowl time. Let's wipe the slate clean. Let's have the junior creative mindset again, that everything's possible. And really this is just good skills across the, the year, but com common sense is you're not getting Bill Murray to do a commercial. No way. You can't even find him to do right. He doesn't have an agent, uh, right? You have to yeah. go. You have to track him down. Some I've heard. Yeah, like you're not going to get him. Why try? I don't know. It's a great idea. Let's try. You know. Um, you know. I don't know. Is Barbie really going to want to do a collab with Rocket Mortgage? It's a great idea. Let's try. And that's what ignore common sense is. Stop worrying about the why it won't work and focus on the why it's a great idea. And they, yeah, look, you're gonna you're gonna have your heart broken, and a lot of times it's not gonna work. But when it does, that's how you really beat the other fifty advertisers in the game, who are also working with really talented agencies and really exciting celebrities. And I don't know, I think that's how you find the edge is you go for that, you know, yeah. final that final degree that creates that separation. Yeah, I just had somebody on the on the show, and I'm not sure when that one will run but he you know we talk he talks a lot about 
that grit and sort of perseverance and, and passion and all that stuff some sometimes is more important than the creativity. Like if you if you have the idea, you gotta you gotta get over that, right? You gotta get over your internal um you know, uh, resistance that's like, oh, they'll never do that um, to maybe even internal critics or other people or producers or whoever saying, ah, oh, we, we can't do that. I don't want, you know, you got yeah. to push past that, especially on this on this stage, it sounds like. Yeah, and you need, you need a lot of champions on both sides, the agency side and um, and the client side. You know, I always remember, I don't want to go into this example, specifics of what the spot was, but one of the celebrities we worked with in the past on the stage um, was in, they were in, and at the last second, they were out. And the creative team was absolutely defeated. And um, Louis Slotkin, he was one of our uh, partners and founders. He unfortunately died in this last year. Um, oh, no. Sorry to hear you that. Know, yeah. Um, but I always remember this. The entire agency was just crushed. It was, you know, a lot of hours, a lot of nights to midnight. And everyone was just like, all right, it's time to move on. And, um, you know, traditionally he was, a, he was a founder and a, and a partner, but an account person, he's like, no, we're not done. Um, and he really pushed us to like, why don't we call the agent one more time? Let's get on the phone with that celebrity and really rally the troops. And it, it's hard. It's, it's, it could be such a crushing process, but that grit that you were just talking about, um, it's so important because you are going to hit roadblocks either legally or from a contractual standpoint. And I mean, gotta, I got to tell you, think about the the stunts we just talked about. I bet you, uh, you know, the Tubi lawyers were a little nervous, you know, and yeah. I bet you there was a little bit of fear in there. And, uh, you know, kudos to the client and the agency for like, you know, finding solutions or however they got that done, because it's it's not easy. So I totally see how ignoring common sense and swinging big on the agency side, right, is important. But how do you how do you get the the client to come along with that? Because I, I imagine there's you know they they can become fearful or even you know have that same kind of resistance on their end, like oh that you know we'll never be able to sell that internally higher up or whatever. How do you get them to? come along for the ride. Yeah. We've been so fortunate that our, we got really great clients. Um, like, you know, the Jeep client, fortunately, they're the ones who are pushing us to even push it further. You know, they, they're such a, uh, creatively driven account and it's just awesome. Like when you, yeah. when you find a partner like that and everyone's, you know, marching to the same beat, um, that, then it's easy. Um, and that, that was a lot of the case with, with rocket mortgage too. They, they were, they're in it and they, they want to win and they want to make a splash. Um, so I think from our situation, we've been so fortunate enough where like, as long as, you know, they feel like we're in it and we're not giving up on an idea. Um, it has, it's more of a conversation than convincing anyone. Um, I'm sure that's not the case with, with, with every client, but from our experience, it needed no, you know, educating and pushing. They're very uh, educated marketers and um, they had a lot of success before us. And one day they'll have a lot of success after us. But uh, I, I think in some situations, if you are working with a client, um, it doesn't mean you can't show up on that stage and not do something as bold. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think we've just been super lucky to date. 
Yeah, and I watched, I saw a video of you uh, and some other folks from the agency uh, talking about a Jeep campaign um, that used a lot of stock footage. It was like a, it was kind of like a safari. Yep. Um, and, and I love that. And, and, and you kind of talk about the, the trust and the, um, and kind of the, the, the pushing that comes from their end, right? Cause I think, I think if I remember correctly in the video, you guys had, had put together sort of almost like a spec spot, right? And you used a lot of stock footage and you thought, well, we're going to have to go out and shoot this maybe. And they were like, no, no, that, you know, we, we kind of like this. We, and they, they trusted you and knew that, uh, that you guys were onto something. Yeah, that spot uh, was called Earth Odyssey. It was introducing the um, electric Jeep Wrangler. Um, it did well. It was like Ad Week's number two spot of the year last year. Wow. Uh, and that was interesting because we had that idea for a while. You know, we were talking about um, how to introduce the new electric Jeep. And Mark Gross, <laughs> he literally walked into the room. He's like, hey, we should have the animals do that song. You know, it's like, da, 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 da. Yeah. And Oh, yeah, like they're celebrating, you know, the ultimate off-road safari vehicle in their natural habitat. And we talked about it for years, and everyone was kind of excited, but, you know, we weren't sure. And then we worked with um, a great uh, editor, Michael Lippert from Cutters. We're like, let's just try to kind of build this thing uh, from just a rip standpoint. And what happened is we built it so well, it was like, this kind of works. The only thing we'd really need to shoot is the vehicle to create that connective tissue from, you know, that the animal world and, and the Jeep world. So I think probably in the end, that was 60, 70% stock. Um, and, um, you know, look, there's a few reasons we wonder. Number one, it worked. You didn't have to shoot it. Number two, right. there wasn't going to be a budget where we could travel around the right. globe and, and capture every animal and every exotic. You need a hippo. Tech. You're going to need to hire a hippo <laughs> wrangler. A hippo wrangler. And a... Right. Yeah. But that's we do that a lot. We do a, you know, a lot of proof of concept, um, especially in pitches, to, to like – if you really want to break through in a in a pitch, instead of reading a piece of paper, show them, press play, and show show some the client something that makes them feel something and gives them that visceral reaction. Uh, a little bit of music, a little bit of storytelling, um, especially in a concept you can. Um, and even for us, it, it gives us more confidence. Like this is going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta start seeing if it's gonna work, right? If it's gonna if it's gonna make sense. Was that a was that a, a Super Bowl spot? It was not. It was not. It was okay. Not, um, yeah. Which is great because that kind of leads me to sort of a, a, a follow up question. Here is how do you how do you come off of that high, right? Of like you know doing these big Super Bowl spots and then getting back to not saying that it's boring, but it definitely potentially is a different mindset when you're kind of back. You know, it's it's. Uh, it's Monday morning after after Super Bowl, and it's like, okay, we got to get back to. This isn't the right way to say it, but you know, our normal, our normal work or our normal spots. Like, how do you come off of that? And should we should brands be thinking about doing that level? Obviously, they can't spend that kind of money, but that level of of spot more often. Or yeah, sorry if it, that's kind of a jumbled no, up it, question, but it it's not. It makes sense. It's it's. It's surprising how fleeting the success of the Super Bowl could, could be. Um, I think this industry is what have you done for me lately, pretty mm -hmm. quickly. I, I think 
great ideas are celebrated for a few days, maybe a few weeks at, at most. And you got to brush it off. And, you know, we always say, you know, we're building brands the other 364 days a year. This day just seems to get a little bit more industry attention. But it's important um, to either, uh, you know, double down on the success and try to get a little bit more juice out of that orange. And, okay, people really like this. How can we extend this a little bit further? Um, but if not, get back to work. You know, it's <laughs> we're, we're fighting for um, sales every single day in the hearts and minds of consumers. And you got to brush it off and keep going really quickly. It is. It's yeah. funny. It's like, uh, you know, that that Monday, it's like you wake up and usually, you know, the night before, whether it's Twitter or the views yeah. on YouTube or just the social chatter. And then maybe you wake up and maybe you're number one on the ad meter or, you know, you win the Grand Clio or whatever it is. And it's like the adrenaline's so high. And then it's like by three o'clock, they tell you, like, okay. Yeah. And like another, another brief comes in and you keep going. And that's, um, I don't know, maybe that's just a lesson in life that like uh, things move up. Yeah. 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 That's, that's great. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embarrass you a little bit more here as we start to close out. But Please, please. This is how I, I wanted. As, as, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you, you have really, really skyrocketed, right, since, since, since you started here. Obviously, in large part, I'm sure it has to do with just your creative talents, but there's got to be some other things that you've done that have, that have helped you get to where you are, right? Some other, you know, um, skills or, or principles or other things. Can you share with the audience, right, that are looking to you going, hey, man, this, is, this guy really did it, and he did it quickly. Besides your creative prowess, what, what are some other things that you think that you've done that have helped you, you know, get to where you are right now? Yeah, you know, for me specifically, this might be a bad cliche, but I believe nothing beats hard work. I, I think my whole career, starting um, at DDB, I was the hardest working person. At least I tried. At least I tried to be uh, at the agency in the room, last one to leave. And you know, some people have uh, success not doing that. Um, and that was no different when we started high dive. I think, by the way, my partner share that saying work ethic. Um, we work really, really hard. I think anyone who starts an agency, you have to, you don't yeah. have that, you don't have that support system. Right. I mean, you know, when we started, uh, having success in the Super Bowl, we had 12 people, you know, three creatives, uh, Mark, myself, and, you know, a, a few others, um, so hard work for me has been the most consistent way to, to get ahead in this industry. Um, I think that's one thing. The second thing is surround yourself with really talented people, hopefully who are smarter than you. I think I've done that with Mark, Megan, Louie, and our other partner, um, Kaylee. They're, not only are they extremely hardworking, but they bring a different skill set that you don't have. What you'd ever want is like four of you. Right. You, know, like you have you. You you want you want to build yeah. a team that brings um other skill sets that you don't have. You know, a lot of our success, you know, creatively we we we've been um you know pretty successful, but we have the best account management team, I think, I've ever worked with and in the country. And we've heard that back from clients as well. 
you know, Megan and Louie and Kaylee have built this world-class account services that we're hearing from a lot of clients. They don't always get from everyone else. Um, because I think creative is just one small part of the equation. And, you know, you, you, they're looking for a full-service agency. Yeah. So, I don't know. For me, it's it's hard work. It's that. And if there's one thing I could add is you have to be a student of culture. You have to know what people um, outside your little bubble are watching, reading, the music right. they're listening to. For me, I am a binge watcher, reader, and listener. I watch way too much TV and movies. I listen to way too much music. Um I do a lot of audiobooks and I listen to podcasts now. Uh yeah. I think uh versus read because I can knock it out on on the way to the office. But I think you have to have that pulse on culture and the things that make all of us tick. That's how you connect to them. You know, if, if Hydev has had success in one thing, it's connecting to culture um yeah. in a way that uh not everyone always does. Yeah. Wow. What a what a great uh, episode! Thank you for sharing that uh, all that information um, with with the audience. I really appreciate you making the time to be on the show. I'm sure you guys are busy. I will definitely be watching and keeping an eye. I'm excited to see what you, what you do this coming uh, Super Bowl. Uh, I wish you continued success and and yeah, just thanks for thanks for sharing all this information with the audience. No, thanks for having me, and just thanks for doing this podcast in general. Um, a lot of our creatives love this. It's just it's just cool to hear everybody's perspective and the things they're going from or going through. So uh, yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank, and, and, and tell, tell your creatives thank you, and tell them to tell their <laughs> friends. I need I need to I need to build the audience. Yeah. But uh, all right, Chad. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, and uh, take care. Thank you. Talk soon. All right. See you in a little. Thanks. Bye bye. And that's going to do it for another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director. Thanks to my very special guest, Chad Brody. I can't wait to see what he and the team put together for this year's Super Bowl. Uh, keep an eye out for that. If you are a young, up-and-coming creative director who is looking to someday uh, write a Super Bowl spot, you may want to pick up this book. It's called What's the Big Idea? An indispensable guide to becoming a kick-ass creative director. It's loaded with great wisdom, not only from me and my uh, long career, but also from dozens of other creative directors that I've had on the show who have shared uh, gold nuggets of wisdom. So pick that up. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Audible as an audiobook. And yeah, check that out. And if you're interested in creative coaching with me, check out my website, Jaime Cabrera Creative.com. All right, until next time, peace, love, and creativity. See ya.